Hello and welcome to the Velodrome podcast. It's our first ever episode, so we really thank you for listening today. I'm Steve. Some of you may know me as the Velo 21 guy, but today I'm your host on this podcast. So why have we done it? We asked on the Velo 21 Instagram if you'd like to hear one, and a load of you said yes. We were really taken back, really, really blown away by the amount of people that have come forward saying you'll be a guest on the podcast. So thank you for that. If you'd be interested in being a guest, we're just after people that are passionate about cycling, that want to tell sort of their story about why they do this sport that we all love, um, how they got into it, what's their passion for doing it, if they've got any big events coming up or, you know, if it's just for mental health reasons or physical reasons, whatever they feel is for them. You know, we want to hear about it, we want to speak to you about it and that's why we're doing this podcast. As we've said as well, we had a lot of people come forward to say they want to be a guest on there, which is absolutely fantastic. So speaking of the guests, let's get our first one on. So we're very excited to welcome Simon from Velo and Trifles Performance. Welcome, Simon. Ah, Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's kind of an honour to be like, your first guest. So, that's quite... Yeah, so um, if, it, if the podcast doesn't work, I'll just blame you then. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's all Simon's fault. He was he was the first guest, so uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll get straight into it. Obviously, it's a cycling chat, so let's uh, ask some questions. So, personally, for me, this is one thing I struggle with is is a motivation thing. So, how do you stay motivated and focused throughout your training? Um, I've I've got a few thoughts on motivation. Um. You have to have, in my mind, I think it's good to have goals. So they don't need to be big lofty goals, but those goals could be just to stay fit and in great shape, or they could be something that really scares you. Um, So I think for me, it's always something that's a challenge. And I know that if I don't get my training in, um, then... I'm not going to be able to hit the challenge that I'm aiming for. But there are moments in time, so several years ago, I was just basically training to keep fit with the thought process that whatever I decide to do next, I have that springboard of fitness, strength and health that I can do pretty much wherever I want to, especially during lockdown. For me, I didn't ever have, none of us had any big goals other than riding our bikes just for mental health and physical health. Um, So there is... When you're looking at trying to stay focused, it's like, what do I want to get out of this? How fit do I want to be? And what do I need to do consistently to be in that shape? Personally, I think the goal for most people should be just as you get older to be as fit as you can and you know, stay as healthy as you can. And that should be motivation in itself to yeah. not sit in front of the telly in the afternoon because you can't be bothered um, and prioritize it above everything else. But as I say to the people that I coach, especially if they're training for something that's specific, is that motivation doesn't come from motivation. Motivation always comes from doing. So yes. if you think back to any time that you think, well, I don't really want to get on the bike today, but you did it, it gives you motivation to do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. But the minute you get out of sync from saying, you know, I want to get on the bike today, but I couldn't be bothered. So you take the day off. Then the next day becomes a, a task and the next day becomes a task. So actually, as I, I always say, and I'll say it billions of times, doing creates motivation, not doing creates nothing. So it's, yeah, a, it's it, a double-edged sword. That's the one thing I kind of, I, I get in a kind of catch-22 situation where I'm like, I maybe missed a couple of sessions and then I'm gutted that I've done that. But then I think, oh, my fitness may have dropped now. So then I almost don't want to go out because I think, oh, I've lost that bit of fitness because I'm worried about that. And then I'm in a catch-22 that I'm like, but then I'm worried about the fact that I've not gone out. So then I'm worried about that and I'm worried about that kind of thing from from those kind of two angles sort of thing. Um, Obviously, you do a lot of mileage. Um, Your current mileage as it sits at the moment is 2,632 miles that you've done so far this year. Um, Yeah. And as well with having, unfortunately, a bit of a 
incident a couple of weeks back as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. How do you well, feel let, about... Let's talk about the mileage and then I'll talk about the incident. Um, yeah. I For the last four years, I've hit close to 12 to, you know, 12,000 miles each year. Yeah. Um, which, when you think about it, and you actually sit down and work out in your head, it's a lot. Um, mm. And it was originally just a fun goal to try and hit one year. And then everyone was like, well, you're going to do that every year. And I was like, well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a crack. So, um, that sort of like springboards onto everything I do on a bike, which is, you know, all the long distance stuff that I've done for charity and some of the crazy sort of self like challenges I've set myself. Um, because I think, I used, I've done a bit of racing. I've done a bit of racing for triathlon, you know, in 70.3 and going into the cycling side of things and doing road racing wasn't for me. But then all of a sudden going, actually, do you know, I quite like my long distance stuff, but I quite like to put myself through challenges. So that can, all the challenges I've done, so the 24-hour challenges and the 200-mile challenges, all that sort of stuff, that, yeah. that kind of training has been the thing that, you know, aiming for that sort of distance has been a sort of thing that I've, I've just sort of kept on going each year. Um, yeah. And it sort of fits in nicely with what my aim is for next year with my Tour de France challenge for charity next year. And we can talk about that later. Uh, and then yeah. just to talk about the, the bike crash uh, that I yes. had last week. Yeah, these things happen, you know. So you ride a bike long enough, and as my mates turned around and said, you ride 12,000 miles a year and you haven't had an accident for a long time. It's bound to happen at some time through no fault of your own. And I had a lady basically just drive straight into me at the weekend. Um, I was exiting a roundabout, totally, you know, uh, nothing to do with me. So I was, I was taking the roundabout safely and... Yeah, she just came straight across me and rode, she just drove straight into me. Now, I had flashing lights on, bright kit on. She couldn't have missed me, and she still hit me. Um, I was lucky. I bounced. I smashed my front front lip up, and I think I busted my teeth. And You know, the dentist has turned around to me and said, that might die. So I'm, uh, I'm lucky. But unfortunately, my, my event bike, the BMC, is totaled. Uh, yeah, it's the frame is cracked, and both both of the very smart carbon wheels are absolutely battered. Um, yeah, but I'm in a kind of way I'm lucky because I've, I've I've got a claims company onto it pretty quick, and they've turned it around really fast. So in four days of Good. employing them, they've actually given me the money for a new bike, and right. I ha the new bike's turned up, and it's been yeah, I'd seen together. that on your stories, the the other day that the you'd been down the shop and it was it was in its box ready yeah so yeah that's, that's exciting then so Good. as much as it's been really stressful for the last couple of days in the fact that it's like i'm going away i'm running camp training camps in mallorca for six weeks um yeah. and i've got so when do you go of, to mallorca sorry when do you go to mallorca? i head off to mallorca next saturday so a week this saturday lovely um and then i've got the 312 to do I've got a week yeah. of big volume training because I'm doing solo uh, Landshead to Jolo Groats um, in July, and um, right, uh, I you know I've got a big training volume block to do, um, and the whole point of going to New York for the first week was to do big training volume block, run my training camp for two weeks, train for a week, run a training camp for a week, train for a week, and then head off to the three one two and then back home. Um, I'm just lucky to be honest. I'm just really lucky. It's like yeah. uh, I could have been seriously injured, um, yeah. and through no fault of my own. And, and it's state of play. It has made me really think about moving to Europe. I have to be honest, because you go and ride in Europe, and it's completely okay. different. Uh, yeah. And I live in a place. I live in North Devon, so it's pretty quiet on the roads. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's like you know. Uh, it's yeah, because I I live in the in the Midlands, and one of my good friends he commutes to into Birmingham, and he's been knocked off about 
five times, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and he's always been he's always been lucky. Um, and like you say, it's just that sort of that split second that someone doesn't see you, and it's you know. And I really feel that road safety needs looking at really. Um, like you're saying, these quiet play or when you when you ride in Europe somewhere somewhere else, it's it they seem much more friendly towards cyclists, and the safe the safety does seem yeah. better in these other countries. And I don't know whether it's something from like maybe a driving test point of view that people need to understand a bit more about the risks that are involved for for other people and keeping other people safe. One brilliant thing I'd heard somebody say was that someone should send somebody out on a bike on the roads once they've passed the driving test just to see what it's like. For And then you get that other perspective and then you'd have a bit more respect for those people that are have on you, the road. Have you ever seen that video where they take bus drivers uh, and they put them on a stationary bike and they drive a bike past them really close? They did the it's close like, pass, if, yes. If, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like If you did that yes, to most things drivers... Things like that. Yeah, they'd, they'd realise it. Um, totally unpopular, but I actually think drivers should be retested every five years. Um, right. Yeah. Because I think most people's driving skill is rubbish. Um, yeah. And a part of that driving test should actually be uh, an awareness of, of cyclists. Um, but that's probably not the most popular thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, I am. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah. So I mean, from the cycling side of things. Obviously, I've got two companies I, I, I run, which are online coaching businesses. Um, yes. And one's a triathlon-focused company, and one and the other one is Velo, which is all to do with cycling. Um, and from my perspective, what I'm doing is trying to show people as they hit their 50s and older, or, or even into their 40s, that they can do more. So. The whole with Triforce, it's all about helping people get be the best they can be and and try and win races. Um, yeah. And we have age groupers. And with Velo, it's not about winning races at all. It's all about being the best that you can be on and off the bike. Um, so it's yeah. getting you in a position to be fit, strong, healthy, physically, mentally, and love your bike and challenge you a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, I had a good conversation with one of the guys that I coached yesterday at Velo who turned around to me and he said this is the first time I've felt like I've lost weight can, can sustainably keep it off but I also feel really good on the bike and I'm excited yeah. to do what I'm going to be doing this year whereas last year I was dreading it <laughs> well, that's, <good. laughs> that's yeah. the um, that's, that's what I do with Velo and then from myself I'm on a bike it's all about, for me, it's all about self-challenges. Now, I don't do any, um, I don't do any races other than maybe, you know, sportives, things like the 312. Um, or, you know, went up to do some of the struggle races last year just for a bit of fun yeah. because they're hilly and I quite like that aspect of it. Well, and they always say, they always say they're not a race. But obviously, we all know they are. But they are sort of a yeah, race. They yeah. they're, <laughs> they're not a race. Um, <laughs> but you know, people you know, people want to do it as fast as they possibly can. Um, yeah. And so that's that's where I am at the moment. And I'll, and then there's two things I'm doing for. So every kind of second year, I do something crazy for charity or something that uh, is uh, fairly challenging. So. In lockdown, I did this um, twenty-mile loop, uh, which yes. was uh, close to home, and it was a twenty-four-hour event. Now, they normally run it every year, but obviously because it was lockdown, they didn't. Um, mm. But my mate and I decided we would challenge ourselves. So he did Everesting, but everybody in the world was doing Everesting in lockdown, and I was like, "Well, yeah. I don't really want to do that." <clears throat> there is a local loop round where I live, where um, in a 24-hour period, they do it for charity pretty much every year. Um, and they were, there's a guy that's done it, and he's got like this, uh, he's got like this local legend around this loop to see who can do it as fast as he can. I was like, well, okay. let's see if I can, I can get that off him. So um, I did 24-hour 
event. I rode 315 miles in 24 hours. Um, mm. And that kind of like started off a sort of like a, a sort of like desire to do a bit more crazy long distance things. Yeah. So the year after that, I rode um, five of the toughest sportives in Denmark, which is about 105 miles with 10,000 mm. to 11,000 feet of climbing every day back to back for five days um, and I was like well actually that was hard but you know um, I want to I want to challenge myself a bit more so I'm doing the yeah. jog this year in five days I think it is so I'm riding something okay. to like 200 miles what the first day 170 miles the next day 240 miles the day after that 170 miles the day after that and something like 100 and 10 miles after that um right yeah with the team and the support crew so they're gonna drive with me but just this support crew are gonna help me do my tour de france challenge in 2024 um mm. and in 2024 i'm going to ride the 1926 tour de france loop which is wow. the longest loop right all the way around France and then right through the middle. Uh, I'm going right. to do that in 21 days. Um, with That basically means I'm riding an average of 170 miles every day for 21 days. Wow. Um, and I'm going to try and raise £100,000 for mental health charities. Oh, um, fantastic, yes. So I'm, you know... I know you wanted to chat about loads of things, but it's like, well, that's that's a good thing to talk about. It's like, you know, yeah. But it was one of my me... future questions: what what big goals have you got? And then obviously that is one for yeah. next year. That what what time of year are you doing that? Sorry, did you say? I'll do that in July. So like the very July. first part of July in 2024. Um, yeah. I've already got a little team together who are going to support me, and they'll come round in a in a van. Um, yeah. and the point is, is they're basically going to be my man Fridays sort of helping me out. So they will, um, make sure that I have food to eat in the evenings. We'll have a proper camper van, which we can sleep in and they're basically supporting me, but I will ride it solo in the fact that, mm. um, I'm doing it on my own. They're not helping me other than just feeding me and making sure that by the end of the day I've got clean kit, all that sort of stuff. Or if the bike breaks down, I've got ability yeah. to just swap it over and go. And we're just yeah. putting that together now. So I've got a little team at the moment who they've all, you know, they're all volunteers and they're all helping me uh, starting to build things like landing pages, speaking to different companies, getting uh, some funding. I've already got a uh, two thousand three hundred pounds in a GoFundMe page um, uh, from donations to sort of get this project to the start, um, and potentially Fantastic, yeah. with the people I'm talking to at the moment, we don't need to actually raise uh, a lot of money uh, to get to what, to get this to the start line. There are people who turn around and say, "Well, potentially we can actually get you a." Uh, RV van, um, but it's just it's early days now. The aim is to raise yeah. those funds to get everything to the start line to do the advertising and put everything in place. And then after that, it's like yeah. let's see how much money we can raise for this. Um, but that's Fantastic. that is my biggest challenge. Uh, the more I think about that it, the more I'm excited challenge. about it, <laughs> uh, uh, and the more I look at it and go, this is. You know, this is nuts. It's like it's. So it's when you say crazy... over twenty-one, over twenty-one days, because obviously, like the Tour yeah. de France is run over twenty-one stages. Are you doing it yeah. with rest days as as well? So it's yeah. So the same way that I the Tour will... runs. Yeah, I'll ha I'll run it the way that uh, the Tour runs. So it'd be like twenty-one days with two days rest day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the team will need that. They'll need time to sort of like regroup and you know, clean kit and all that sort of stuff and get supplies yeah. and things like that. Not that they won't be doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, but they, you know, will need a day off um, to yes. sort of regroup yeah. and reset. It's a it's a big event. You know, we're, we're covering close to, what, 
It's about 3,300 miles in 21 days. Right, yeah. You know, it's a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it, you know, yeah so I mean, even just to... thinking about, like, obviously, obviously the logistics of that and all everyone moving with you, um, but all the spares and things like that that you're going to have to take as well because, obviously, you know, you get through... Um, Tires, inner tubes, chain, possibly, you know, with all those different factors, it's it's thinking about every little detail, isn't it? And then it's also things like what happens if a derailleur mount comes off and then we've not got a spare for for that particular thing and it's it's those sort of unforeseen things that, that can un- derail it almost, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. so you know, a tough... I'm... I'm speaking to uh, BMC and potentially even Sigma Sport, and potentially they can uh, help me out with kit. Um, so yeah. my current my current new bike, which is I'm getting mm. from insurance, uh, is the bike that I'll ride on um, on the event. But I'm looking to get a, re- a, a an interchangeable replacement, which is fitted to me. So, for instance, if my my bike starts to fail, I can just swap it over. We'll have mm-hmm. uh, separate we'll have separate wheels that we can just interchange should we need to, um, and we'll make sure we've got loads of spares and, and hangers and things of that nature. Because you just having yeah. done things like this before, sometimes you go through these things with absolutely zero problems, and yeah. sometimes you know, you just get major issues. So it's like you need to prepare yeah. and make sure you're a bit overkill on the equipment that you've got just in case things go wrong. So, for instance, when I did my yeah. um, uh, Sportif event back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, I was riding through Dartmoor and the the rear derailleur kept on messing up and then the front derailleur started to go. Mm. I'm like, this, this isn't healthy. I'm, I managed to finish it and, and get it done, but it was just never the bike was never happy i was lucky that the bike shop knows me really well and they fixed it within i got home about sort of like six o'clock in the evening and they kept the bike open bike shop open um and fixed it but again it's like knowing how these things work um yeah you have to prepare for every as every eventuality that you can think of and take kit with you so you need a fair kit so the rv will have clothes shoes everything else in it food all that stuff but we'll also have a little trailer on the back of it which will have extra bike parts an extra bike in it all that sort of stuff so we are thinking yeah. as as much as we can do on that front and that's why we need help that's why we need to raise these funds yeah. because to get it to start land and, and do it seriously not we're not trying to mess around here riding 170 miles every day for 21 days is hard yeah. and you don't want to be messing around trying to cobble stuff together because your bike's not fixed. You just want yeah, to be able to go right definitely. next bike go. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're we're really thinking ahead of this. So we're starting now. So it's like July the second in 2024, and we're working on the background now and everything to 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 make sure it happens. Um, I had thought about on my social media stuff. I thought about talking about this a load more. But then, of course, last yeah. week I got run over, so that was far from my forefront of my mind at the time. I'm like, just want to make sure that I, you know, I have a bike to go to Mallorca with. I'm in one piece. Yeah. Um, but you know, I can talk about it now, so it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm just yeah. getting back into yeah, the flow again. Yeah, good stuff. And physically, you're feeling okay with regards to your incident. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think tough. Uh, He's a bit. But if, if we talk about the accident itself, I think I was running on adrenaline for a week, um, and right, I was. I'm, you know, I'm mean, your atypical sort of like cyclist who refuses to believe they're broken, um, mm. and. You know, got back on the bike. Got back on the winter bike the next day. Rode out with the mate. Yes, I saw that. Rode out with mate on Sunday. Did a meet up with the Velo guys as part of the coaching stuff that I do on a Tuesday. Trashed out a VO2 set, the strongest I've done for a while. And then the latter half of the week, I just fell into heap 
once I realized. So my body was like, right, I've done it. I've, you know, I've, mm. I've put up with this for a week. Um, and once I realized that the insurance was covered, the bike was going to be here before Mallorca and everything had been sort of settled on that front. And the person who crashed into me had admitted liability. I think my, my yeah. whole brain and body was like, okay, well, that's sorted. You don't need to worry about that now. And now I'm going yeah. to tell you to back off. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, last week I was running on adrenaline. The first part of this week, I, I've been absolutely knackered. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Yeah, I, saw it, I saw it in your stories yesterday. You posted on Instagram about um, you're just kind of feeling like the stress has just kind of and it's come out in you now and that you were yeah. really feeling fatigued um, yeah, yesterday that you got nuts. through your training session. But it was a struggle. Well, yeah. So, like that <laughs> that session I did yesterday on the bike, I did a week beforehand, yeah. and I was ten percent above the wattage that I'd been prescribed. Um, because part of the deal of that training session is if you can push it above it, you mm. you know give it a give it a focus and push. <laughs> this week I was sitting at sweet spot max, and that that mm. felt like VOT. I was like, no, I, and I, yeah. I was like, you are not well. Um, and I did yeah. think about canning it halfway through the session. I was like, well, you know, you can do this. This isn't, and I think I was just figuring it in my own head when I was doing the session. I was like, this isn't physical. It's more mental. Your body is yeah. going, oh, you know, you're tired. Um, so, I mean, that's the great thing about Zwift and using indoor training. It's like I just taps the the bias right down. I was like, well, I'll, I'll complete it. Yeah. Even if I have to, because I'm, I'm coaching that session with the guys that I work with. I, 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 like, I can't yeah. stop, but what I can do is I can d downgrade it. And I was like, well, I'll stick it at a sweet spot. It's just not a bad session. It's just not the session I wanted to. And I was very, uh, in my mind, when I finished the session, I wasn't giving myself a hard time. I was just like, do you know what? You mm -hmm. need to listen to your body and back it off. You need yeah. to give yourself a chance to recover and you know you're off to Mallorca in two weeks time any fitness you lose now isn't going to be a problem for the future so it's like just mm. cut yourself some slack um and again that's it's kind of why sometimes people will hire a coach because they can look yeah. at objectively what's going on in their life and go look don't stress about it right now you need to do this you need to back it off and then we can go again at this point once things are uh you know, back on on alignment, and you're feeling ready for it. And that's where I am right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, it's like the, it's it's amazing how stressful that one incident has been over the last week. And I had mm. I hadn't really factored that in, if I'm really honest. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, because like you say, it's it's not just the the physical aspect of of being hit by the car, the mental attitude of it as well with regards to your sleep and things like that and then when that gets affected that really affects your body doesn't it and it's just you can f be completely drained sometimes just from overthinking things and obviously there's a lot of things to sort out with regards to all the insurance and hoping that that all goes well that you know you want to get everything back that you were you had before um you know because it's not fair on on yourself is it you know it, it wasn't your fault you get knocked off your bike and then you're the one that's then out of pocket so then all this needs sorting and it just is in there um affecting you like you say and you don't almost realize it that you're running on adrenaline still that that other week and then it's all of a sudden just poof, hit you and it's like yeah. yeah um this has affected me perhaps more than I, I thought it had at the time kind of thing well, the thing is, is like you know, Steve. We, this is what I do for a living, right? I don't do anything else. Mm. I coach people to be fit, healthy on bikes, and I coach people to do triathlon. So, one of my biggest, you know, or one of the important aspects of what we do is to take people away and coach them face to face. Imagine going to into what could be the busiest season of your life with a broken leg or an arm. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's just it wasn't worth thinking about so <clears throat> again it's like you know I'm glad it's not happened I'm very much more uh, uh, cautious going through town more so than I would normally do and I'm not one of those cyclists that will just cycle through town like an idiot and, and not respect traffic because I don't think that's that's helpful to 
improve the relationship with cyclists and cars but now it's i'm eyeballing everybody i always have lights on but now i've got them on full flashing beam and some someone said to me on this friday they went oh that light's very bright you know i was like did you see me and he's like yes i was like that's done its job that's why it's like i don't care anymore um it's like you know um so it's like well yeah it's it's what i do and 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 the the consequences of having anything broken and serious happening to me uh really hit home it's like actually do you know if i if, if i was in hospital for 10 days my business gets massively uh massively hit um, I'm just mm-hmm. really bloody glad it didn't, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, the upside is I get a new bike out of it. Uh, and then, so, what did someone say to me uh, at the start of the week? They turned around and said, if you knew that you get a new bike every year by doing what you've just done, would you go Would you go through that experience again? I was like, hell no. You know, this lady yeah. ran into me. There was that moment where you think, actually, she could actually hit me so hard I could be hit into oncoming traffic. Uh, I was like, no one wants to go through that. It's not even worth thinking about. Um, nah. So it's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So um, maybe just moving on to some other questioning now. Um, yeah, I, I imagine I could get you back on for a podcast about this subject um, that you can talk and talk and talk about this nutrition. So yeah. On the bot, on the bike specifically, we're talking here. So, how do you feel? Obviously, you've just talked in depth about your challenge for next year, which is a massive, massive days out on the bike. So, how do you feel for a big day out on the bike? How do you personally do that? So, um, I've it's really straightforward, and I think people overthink this. Um, mm. Knowing what I know with nutrition and knowing how, many, how much carbohydrate. So when you're doing long days, um, what you eat the evening before, what you eat for breakfast is important. On the bike, if we just talk about on the bike nutrition, I have a standard practice yeah. that I never, I never stop. And that is basically yeah. drinking at least 500 fluid mils of water with electrolytes or energy mix in it every hour um and on top of that i will have at least one energy bar in that Mm -hmm. hour at the same time so i start riding for 20 minutes i'm drinking fluids and then within those first 20 minutes i take a chunk of energy bar and by the end of every every hour i've eaten an energy bar um and I've drunk at least one bottle of fluids. That practice has served me brilliantly throughout my cycling yeah. uh, experiences. Like if I don't do that, then I become dehydrated and, and I, I'm not feeling well. So I feel like when I get to the end of my ride, and people have done this loads, is they get to the end of the ride and they feel really leggy. Um, yeah. And everything that I read up or talk to about people who are way more clever than I am on the nutrition side of things, they will always turn around and say, the reason why people feel leggy towards the end of a sportif or a big, big event is they simply are dehydrated and they don't have, don't have enough available glycogen to be able to tend into instant energy. And that's why they back off right. and their, you know, their event ends in not the way that they wanted it to so by having that standard practice it works um and then as i say with people that i coach it's like understand that practice that as a sort of fundamental sort of like framework of what you need to work on and then and then decide how you want to do it whether you prefer to have more uh, fluid uh type energy or an intermix between Mm -hmm. the two um whether that's like more yeah, energy obviously bars, everyone, everyone's slightly different, like with their, their stomach and things like that. Some people can chug down gels, whereas other people can't yeah. touch a gel. Um, you yeah. know, so there is differences there. But like you say, as long as you're working out the carbohydrates amount and you've balanced that per hour, as long as it's a general rule of thumb that you think, okay, this is the amount of carbs that I need for this, 
you'd yeah. say as long as you've worked that out you should be okay so I, I think the general rule of thumb for most people that I coach is when doing a, a training rider or a sporty you that for training you can work per hour from a carbohydrate intake between 30 and 60 grams per hour and then when you're doing a sporty from working maybe particularly harder you can go from 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour there mm-hmm. is evidence to show that you can push that above the boundary if you want to but realistically people don't really need to do that unless of course they are tr- they're racing really hard and then that's just something you need to work with a coach a nutrition coach to just work out what works for you um yeah how you feel it as i say it depends on whether you want to do it in energy mixes gels or bars it's just down to preference on what you like to do um mm-hmm. but if you, if you have that as a standard practice i think that works really well and that's what works well for me good so what about if you were on the bike say and you knew it was going to be sort of four hours plus would you be suggesting any protein to get in there once you're going past a certain amount of time or is that not really i think people there i you know i'm protein king so i'll talk about it a lot with the guys and girls that i coach it's like you know as you get older, you need to eat more protein because you want to hold on to lean muscle mass. It's harder for us to create it. You know, yes, there's, if you look at the ev- available ev- evidence on it, in actual fact, if you train really hard, we tend to hold on to a lean muscle mass much more than we would do if we fairly sedentary. But we still need higher protein intakes to elicit maximal muscle protein synthesis, which you want to be able to recover from training. But I'm diverting down a, a rabbit hole we could talk about for ages yeah do you need protein in your training if you're doing big events if you're doing back-to-back back back-to-back events you probably do if you're doing a one-day mm-hmm. event i would i would say it's, it's not a priority and ultimately really what, what you want to do is make sure you're eating enough carbohydrate uh mm-hmm. and energy uh, to be able to power your bike along, you can catch up on protein later. Now, okay, it's like people are worried that they're going to lose muscle, muscle mass hand over fist and a small teeth. So, well, you can put protein if you want to. Personally, I say, look, look at your energy levels first. It's a one-off event. You're not suddenly going to wake up the next morning thinking, well, look, I've I've wasted away in my sport team. Away. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. It'd be better. And bear in mind, carbohydrates are very muscle sparing. So if you have a high carbohydrate diet um, alongside a high protein diet, it'll help you maintain more muscle mass. So even if you aren't eating perfectly amount amount of protein across the day, if you have a bit of protein for breakfast and you make sure you do a, a decent recovery afterwards you won't be gaining lean muscle mass, but you're probably not going to lose as much muscle mass as people lose. think. And that's, yeah. the protein issue is, is massively, in my mind, all to do with the current marketing practice of everything has to have protein in it. And it's, you know, if you look at any of the energy bars nowadays or things like that, it's like protein in this, extra protein in that. It's a, it's a, it's a great marketing tool. Um, but I think day to day, as long as you're eating enough protein across the day, that's fine. And in big in yeah. big events like a sporty, for instance, it's not something that you really need to pay, pay particular attention to. The most important thing is you want to be eating enough energy to be able to power your bike for the day. Yeah, Pro- protein so is you not. On... Your, yeah, that's okay. my thinking on it. So you, you touched on the fact that you eat a, an energy bar. So it, it, what's your go? To, what's the go-to for you? <laughs> Obviously, brand or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, look, it it varies. Um, right now, I'm using a fair bit of high uh, the high five stuff. Yeah. Um, because with Velo, I've managed to uh, sort out a, a pretty hefty discount. Uh, with high mm. five but you know some of the bars they have are about what 150 
50 calories and about 30 grams of carbohydrate in them and they're quite small and yeah. light to carry which makes life easy yeah. uh, and you can carry quite a few of them with you if you need to but to be honest i also go down to the petrol station uh, where i live and okay. bobby's flapjacks which are 40p uh, <laughs> I think they're even 32p or rough about that around that value they are 400 calories with like 45 grams of carbohydrate in them I'm like well right. you know you don't need to spend fortunes on these things and yeah. you know so the reason why I have the difference is because the high five stuff is you know, some of it's pretty pretty sweet and the Bobby's yeah. flapjacks you can get quite uh, savory, so it's like we get that different change in in flavor sensation, which which you want because if you've ever yeah. done a big sporting event where you're doing it back to back days, if you're yeah. eating the same thing day in day out, you get very bored of it very quickly. So it's good to have that interchangeable. Yeah. You know, you're riding on like a well, fancy, I don't know, I fancy a raspberry uh, flapjack now, or I fancy a, yeah. a cinnamon apple flapjack. So you've got that bit of yeah, to swap. Touching on that, for, for me personally, I did a, a, a big. I've done a big few rides before, um, and we was doing one charity event that was a. It was a two hundred sixty-two mile ride, uh, twenty twenty thousand feet of climbing. So it was a big old day. Um, it was just like riding in under twenty-four hours. So basically, it's it's the um, marathon course around Windermere, um, like Windermere. So you just do ten laps of the the marathon course. Um, fantastic ride that is. I did, I did it three times, um, and my kind of go-to snack that's not a, a branded product that's uh, is jam sandwiches, jam sandwiches, um, and or sometimes with peanut butter on as well. So obviously you've got slow release carbs, fast release carbs, and then some protein in as well if you if you add the peanut butter in. Um, yeah, and that yeah that. I'd been eating those all day, and then there was some Skittles on the side, and I ate these Skittles, and the flavour, it was just like heaven. It was just <laughs> the fact that I'd just been eating the same thing all day, and I was just like, oh, I just need, oh yeah, I'll pick these up. And the, the flavours were so strong, it was so intense, and I was just like, it was just seemed crazy. It was almost like my body was just used to eating those sandwiches because it, it's laps and the way that, it, that it's done it was really well supported by Braithay the, the, the charity um, there was like a, a place where you have to stop and they check you over to see that you're, you're kind of coherent that you, you're still well enough to go out and do it the next lap and the next lap and the next lap and there's food station there where they've got pizzas and pastas and, and all sorts there for you and uh, yeah we'd keep on stopping and every time I'd, I'd had my sandwiches made I'd sort out my electrolytes drink, take one bottle round on the lap and uh, off I'd go and I'd take a sandwich because I could eat it while I was riding and I just got to the point where it was just the, the sa- it, it, I'd just gone into autopilot with these rounds of sandwiches and I just had absolutely had enough of them kind of thing, they worked well for me I was I was still pretty Charge, I had enough in in the tank to to get the ride done, um, and something I wanted to touch on as well about these kind of big endurance rides, and when people, especially doing like charity events, and perhaps they've they've not ridden those kind of distances before, and a lot of people are worried about doing big big miles before doing the charity ride, because a lot of the time it's it's not your legs that give up on you. It's unfortunately it's, it's like your back or your hands or it's something else that you get that sort of little niggle with that when you're not used to riding or doing those sort of big big distances that you that you tend to struggle with and you you can't almost foresee those things coming which is which is a shame really because I had a uh, the last time I did that big ride I had a real problem with my hands didn't really work for the next couple of days afterwards I um uh, had a real trouble with that um yeah so i i think with i mean the thing that and you've experienced it because you've been part of velo it's like you know when you get i generally say to people it's like get your bike fit looked at at least once a year and people might think that's overkill but you change your especially if you come on board velo you change your shape you change your fitness you change your mobility 
for the better. And that can change your, your position on the bike. So having someone to look at and tweak and just make sure that you're in the right position is important. So bike fit is crucial to stop you from getting lots of reverb through, through the handlebars. Yeah. But then modern technology, so things like 28 tires, 30 inch tires with, you know, that are tubeless. Yeah. That would be a game changer to people that struggle yeah. with maybe some RSI or things of that nature on the bike. Um, that's really important. So comfort and understanding, uh, you know, your position on the bike is important. So it's something that I encourage people to do on a regular basis for sure. Um, and then, Ultimately, do you need to ride big miles to ride big miles? I think yes and no is the answer to that. It's like mm. you'd be crazy to be just riding 50 miles day in, day out, or let's say that's 15 to 20 miles is your most that you ride during the week, and then you go and take on a big sportive, assuming that you've got the fitness to do it. Because riding 100 miles needs to have a, a lot of respect in it. It's quite it's tough to do um and you do need to develop some fitness but you know it's one of the reasons why i say to people strength training is really important for cyclists because the stronger you are the more durable you are the less injury you're gonna have the more you can deal with stress the more you can deal with the endurance side of things so if your body is strong it can deal with sitting in the in the bike you know, for the length of time that it's needed to ride a 100-mile ride. So mm. it's a hard question to answer. It depends on where you are with your fitness. If you're a newbie, I think it's really important that you learn what that feels like in training to at least get to close to 100 miles. If you're mm -hmm. um, a seasoned cyclist and you have a fair bit of volume in your cycling week, and you go and do 100 miles, you should be fit enough to be able to do that. So it's not a straightforward answer. Um, it's just, again, I think as a, it's generally pointed out to people who are starting in cycling and maybe have never ridden 100 miles ever before. It's like you need to train mm. for it in a way that you understand what that's going to feel like and how to feel for it and be robust enough to be able to take on that challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um one thing that's obviously when you you're getting your clients and people that you you coach on board a lot of people are very focused on ftp and and raising that but it's not all just about that is it it's it's about kind of building that aerobic capacity to be able to yeah. just endure the bike longer because there's always that that kind of Obviously, it's the golden number kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, I want to get to this, I want to get to that, I want to get to... But it's not the be-all and end-all, is it, really, for cycling fitness? No, I mean, again, you know, having a good... and a, What is a good FTP? Because everybody's FTP is different. But having a, a fitness where you can put in a decent FTP test is important. Um not just from the fact that it helps us figure out your power numbers, but I think from a cyclist perspective, it's such a holy grail to improve mm -hmm. that number that I think you could argue that it's pointless or you could argue that it's the most important number in the world. It's part, and I think you're right, it's part and parcel of the parcel of being a good cyclist. If you have a strong FTP that's, and it's growing over time, it shows that your fitness is working or your training is working, but it's not the be all and end all of life. So you could potentially have the same FTP for years, but you, you could improve your strength and your fitness to be able to hold that functional threshold power for much longer than you ever used to be able to. And that shows a progression in your strength and your fitness, your aerobic capacity and your ability to ride consistently over time at a very aerobic heart rate shows that you've grown fitness and, and yes that has relevance to your functional threshold power but ultimately that's nothing to do with your max number it's all actually be able to, to do with an average number that you can consistently hold over time and most people when they first get started ride a classic let's say you know ride their aerobic capacity at a at a lower uh 
aerobic uh, power number. And then as they get fitter and stronger, that power number increases a little bit and they can consistently hold that over time. That shows fitness. So yes, FTP is important, but it's, and I think you're bang on the money. It's not the only thing. And it's definitely yeah. something that as much as I talk about with the guys that I coach, I, I also say like it's not the mo you know it's not the only marker of your success as a as a cyclist you know mm -hmm. handling descending climbing efficiency you know all of that is so important to for a cyclist mm -hmm. to get right um, yeah that's nothing to do with Good FTP stuff. yeah yeah um you want to descend like Tom Peacock of course it's uh <laughs> watching him go down isn't it it's uh it's next level. It's next level. Then that's when you realise yeah. the difference, isn't it? You know, um, I went out to um, Italy last year and came down the Stelvio Pass, and you you like to think at the top. There's thirty hairpin bends down there, and it's like, okay, now it's time to go. And the first few, I'm not great with heights, and the first few you could like see over the edge, and it was just like, oh my god! And you think these guys absolutely back down there on the limit it's just phenomenal to watch isn't it really it's, it's um great descending and, and going to europe i mean like where's your favorite place to ride um well i i've only ever been to italy i've never been to Mallorca or anything it's 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 one of those things i've only i've only ever been out to the stelvio uh the stelvio in the, that area around there so there's the gavia um as well which was a, a, a fantastic climb as well that was yeah um but yeah that stelvio pass is def definitely one for the uh for the bucket list and i, I, I need to go back really um yeah so yeah but i so, would be interested to go to like mallorca and things as well so a hundred percent so we go to mallorca for our training camps every year um uh, because and the reason why we go there is because it's we know it it's straightforward it's relatively safe it's good roads um but uh i i've got a real love for girona um but not even girona is outside of girona in a little place called banyoles um and from banyoles it's just such an amazing sort of like launch pad to go anywhere you like and you can go mm -hmm. back into girona if you want to the roads out there are absolutely I can't, you know, so people think Mallorca is great, but you go to Bagnoles mm. or go to um, Girona and it's it's better. It's less populated mm. by cyclists. It's less populated by road users. Um, and the climbing and the views out there are stunning. I've spent a bit of time in France. Um, mm. I've not been to Italy yet. And that's the thing. So it's like, I need to go and... Mm. This is the cool thing about cycling. Um if you're into taking on different experiences and going di and traveling with it, you get to see part of the country that you wouldn't do by car, by bus or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. um, and doing Tour de Mont Blanc last year, uh, climbing round France into Switzerland um, was just stunning. It's like, you know, so yeah, it's like, Go go traveling more with your bike. I think is if you yeah. get the opportunity, it, that'll just blow your mind. And it'll make you want to get fitter Cause because you suddenly realise there's a big playground to play with in Europe. Yeah, because um, I mean we uh, we drove out, so then obviously on the drive back as well, I had to drive over the Stelvio, and it was interesting just driving up it. I mean, I was in a in a van. Um, and there was like when we were riding up it there was a lot of sports cars and things coming up um porsches mainly um like lovely 911s and things like that um and yeah we came back through switzerland and it was just absolutely beautiful there it was like oh I, every time we were like oh should we just stop the van and just go for a ride but we didn't because we were coming back um it was when the Tour de France was on, and we were coming back through, and we stopped for the um, the, the final day um, in Paris. Um, so we we had to head back. It was almost a shame, really, that we had to get somewhere because um, if we hadn't, we could have uh, had a little stop off somewhere and, and gone through, uh, done a nice climb in Switzerland somewhere. But yeah, it was uh, 
it was definitely experience and I'd love to do it again. It was um, absolutely fantastic. So uh, another quick question as well, Simon, was um, how many bikes do you actually own? <laughs> um, let me just, uh, not many. Um, I only own, okay. uh, I only own three. Is that right? Three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have, um, uh, I have uh, a new BMC road machine heading my direction, um, and I have a Oro um, sort of like road stroke gravel bike, which is my winter bike, and then I've yep. got my uh, giant propel, which I used to race on, <clears throat> and that's it. Um, yeah. I did have a TT bike, but it just sat there gathering dust, so I got rid of it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so not as many bikes road as people expect. Purely road, then there's no like. Uh, I know you said gravel was the winter bike, but that is solely ridden on the road. You're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we've got some tracks and trails where where we live, but then actual fact that our, our gravel riding where 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 I live in Devon is is not massive, um, and yeah, you know. Could go mountain biking, but it's like I'm a I'm a true road cyclist from that perspective. Yeah. I like my road cycling. It's it still engages me, and you know I don't feel like I need to go down the 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 gravel side of things right now. Although having yeah. said that, if I go out to to Girona and to Rock Corba, um, I, I have been gravel riding because the gravel riding is amazing out there. It's like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't do it in this country if I have the opportunity to do it in another country because you've got the ability and the network to do it go. Uh, but yeah, no, sadly, yeah. I've only got three bikes. Shall I get more? Maybe. It's always N plus one, <laughs> isn't it? N plus one. So it's the number that you've got, plus, it's always yeah. plus one. <laughs> so what would be the, the, the dream bike? so hard to say um yeah it's like you know um i think i i just uh, after the accident i was like well you know i've got the ability to go and buy whatever i want what do i want um and i sat and thought about it for a bit and i was like i'm just going to get another bmc road machine you know and i have the i could have gone you know I really, I, I love the idea of getting um, uh, an SL7, a specialised SL7, because, you know, yeah. just the look of them look amazing. But I was put off by that idea last year because I went to Mallorca and every person and their dog had an SL7. Okay. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a bit boring. It's like, you know, and yeah. and every other person had a Pinarello. Um mm. And with what I do, uh, as in the long distance stuff, the BMC road machine is made for that. It's made for riding long distances. It's stiffer than potentially you might want for a long distance road bike. But I like that in the fact that it's responsive. So taking it to France last year and doing the Tour de Mont Blanc on it, its descending ability is nuts. It's just, it's like it's better than I can ever descend, um, mm. but its ability just to ride it, you know, in its aerobic or its aero capacity in headwinds etc. is is phenomenal for a, a a long distance bike, and I just mm. it works for me. It, I I love it from that perspective. So if I could have any bike that I wanted, uh, you know. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question because there's so many great bikes out there. It's like, where yeah. do you start? Um, See, I'd be the same with it, with possibly an SL7. That's like, yeah. But like you say, you is it almost like they've got the good marketing? So then that's yeah. why everybody's got one because they're not yeah. cheap. There's there's that you know there's cheaper bikes out there that could actually be better, um, but people want that pinnacle of bike because it's got that sort of almost aura about it um and people are, like you say it's everyone seems to then have one but i'd love to just have a sort of test ride on it and then and then see what it's like because there is always that isn't there you know you you think that's the ideal for you but it might not be i think so. um 
you know. I, I, let's face it, you, you know, if someone handed me a Pinarello F, F12 with all the bells yeah. and whistles on it, I wouldn't say no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, as the guys in the shop always say, it's like, people don't make bad bikes anymore because bad bikes don't sell. Mm. Um, so it basically boils down to what you like, the look of, mm-hmm. and what you kind of align with. Um, yeah. But classic bikes, I'm afraid that's where I kind of like fall down because it's like uh, people know their bikes way better than I do. I just like riding mm-hmm. bikes. So mm-hmm. the only time I had a really bad experience was when we did, um, uh, we hired bikes in France at the end of the year and rode on two, three times, and we hired Pinarellos, and we spent a fair bit of money on the Pinarellos, but they gave us the duffest Pinarellos in the world. Um, and if oh, you see my man. YouTube video on that, I basically slag it off for one of the <laughs> one of the climbs. I'm like, this thing is rubbish. <laughs> um, and that was really depressing, actually. And actually, my, my bike shop uh, that I take my bikes to, they're a Pinarello dealer, and they were so mm. gutted that I had such a crap experience. They lent me uh, an F10 for a day and said, go and ride that and then come back and, yeah. and, and tell us whether you think that's rubbish or not. And I was like, no, it's not rubbish. It's a great bike. The bikes we hired are, are rubbish. Anyway, I digress. But yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, it's really hard to pick something amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like you say, there's so much stuff out there. And I think it's just what kind of suits you or what your your riding style what you want to get out from the bike i mean for me personally i'm i'm a a slim guy i've never really had trouble on climbs and my nickname from my cycling buddies is aero because everything i buy has to be aerodynamic because i I always feel like that's where i struggle when the speed ramps up the power has to go up and I'm really kind of hanging in, or I'm I'm having to really get in the draft of other people just to st- just to stay put, kind of thing. And then when we're going uphill, I'm fine then because I'm kind of usually about ten kilo lighter than anybody else on the ride, kind of thing, and I can just kind of sail away. So it's always for me, it's about being having that aero bike rather than the lightweight super climbing bike. Um, but yeah, everybody's different. Um, I don't think there's much of a bad bike out there, like you say. Uh, the technology there is is fantastic now, isn't it? You know, all the wind tunnel testing and everything they can test, and the materials they can use, and everything now. Those modern day bikes are just phenomenal machines, aren't they? Really. I think. Um, so yeah. I think you hit point has So my the BMC road machine does what I want for the long distance stuff, and it's my bike of mm. choice mostly because I'm you know, riding long distance over the summer. Um, I, my propel, my jump propel, is for Tuesday chain gang, and it's perfect for that. It's perfect for just trashing round at speed. Um, and then my wind bike is a steel Oro, um, which is heavy as hell. Uh, yeah. But it's perfect for that. You know, it, for it's, the track. It, yeah. Do well, you don't want to be oh, obviously in those mucky times, you know, and and when it's potentially a, perhaps a bit icy or or whatever out there, you don't want to be batting. Um, you know about do you want something that's perhaps a bit slow because what's a what so if you've just churned out and done your hour or two hours whatever you needed to do you've just done it a bit slower that's that's the only thing and then potentially safer really <laughs> yeah. so it's it's not always about having all the aero kit to go batting down the lanes in the middle of the winter, winter rides that's the... something that's going to be robust and deal with everything that you throw at it really don't you you don't want to yeah. take your nice bike out and wreck it um, yeah. yeah that's true so right I think we're all done with the questions Simon so I really appreciate your time um, coming on the podcast it's been lovely chatting with you it's been a privilege to chat to you as well um, so yeah I just really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on look thank you very much it's you know, always good to chat bikes with people um, and yeah. uh, I, hope the, I hope the podcast is a success good luck so a massive thank you to Simon from Velo Performance for coming on and giving a, being our first guest and giving us such a wealth of information there. Obviously, Simon is very, very knowledgeable 
about cycling and if you'll be interested in following Simon which I highly recommend you do because he does give a little free information on his social media so obviously he's got Instagram if you search for Velo Performance uh, Facebook page and also the YouTube channel I'd recommend following the YouTube channel and the Instagram especially because that's where you see most of the little stories and snippets that he does and and the information that he gives on how to cycle faster, touching on your diet, on all aspects of cycling and training. So we'd really recommend going to follow Simon. And as I said, following him on his Instagram, there's also a link in his bio, which is obviously really important, something that he's stressed on with regards to the... Uh, challenges he's got coming up he needs the funding for those and also he's trying to raise a massive £100,000 so he needs your support there so there's a link in the bio on his Instagram page Velo Performance so if you could head over to that give what you can even if it's only a small amount obviously he's trying to crowdfund to get this this done and he's got a target to hit of about 16000 so the more support he can get the better so even if it's only a small amount if you could donate some towards his cause that'd be absolutely fantastic and then obviously if you want to follow again the the updates on the challenges obviously he's going to be speaking more about that as it progresses as it gets closer to the time so i strongly suggest as i say you follow him on his instagram um, and you'll get all those updates on that there so thank you for listening to the velodrome podcast It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Please come back for the next episode. Keep an eye out for the next one or an ear out. If you'd like to appear on the podcast, obviously you can get in touch with me at sales at velo21.com. That's sales at velo21.com on email or send us a DM on Instagram. Search for velo double underscore 21 that's velo double underscore 21 on instagram send me a direct message we'd love to have you on the show thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time